Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. Today's scripture comes from 1 Peter 5, verse 10. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. And now here is episode 8, Dancing with the Devil. My name is Desmond Morris. Just wanted to share my uh, my testimony here. I was born in Virginia, grew up with uh, a lot of resentment towards my dad. My dad was an alcoholic. You know, he'd come home drinking, you know, and I was four years old. I remember that's my earliest memory. I was about four. My brother, he was one. I'm three years older than my brother. And uh, my dad came home drunk one day and just started putting his hands on my mom. He started hitting my mom. I didn't, you know, what does a four-year-old do in that situation? Luckily, my mom had sat me and my brother down when we were babies, and we would watch this show called 911, where it would show reenactments of different emergencies. What would you do? And my mom would ask me that question exactly. What would you do? You know, just to test me, make sure that I, I knew what to do if I ever needed to call 911. So when my dad came home drunk that this one night, uh, he was hitting my mom, and I ran to the phone, and I called 911 after pleading with my dad to stop. And he wouldn't listen. Me, listen, he just threw me to the side. And my brother was one, and he he crawled up to my dad and he bit him on the knee, you know. And even a one year old could see that evil was taking place. And my dad picked him up and threw him across the room. And I, I remember, and I was just I was scared, you know. And thank God, my brother landed on the couch. He was fine. But I called nine one one. The cops came and uh, basically arrested my dad. My mom fought my dad back. Now she wasn't going to just let my dad hit her. But you know, still, you don't put your hands on a woman. And to see that at four years old, it really messed me up. And as you can see, that memory is still very vivid. So at that time, I became the man of the house at an early age. I was four years old, and I would sleep with my arm around my brother every single night to protect him. Um, I remember being like five years old and going to Sunday school. My mom kept us in church, you know, and thank God. And that's where it started. My mom, although when I got older, I would later mislead women by being just another example of a man that would have sex with them and not marry. But my foundation for my mom and the values that she instilled in me, they kept me in the end. It was like she built her house on the rock to where we might blow, but we wouldn't blow away. Just like growing up in church as a kid, that foundation kept me as I got older and did things my own way. You know, you train up a child in the way they should go and they would not depart from it when they are older. As I got older, you know, my mom ended up meeting my, my stepdad, my pops. We call him pops. You know, it's, he's he's a, he's our dad, too. You know, I feel like I have two dads, uh, one that brought us in the world and one that raised us. And so I think I was about 14 when, uh, you know, my mom met my pops. They got married. And, uh, you know, we had a we had a male figure in our life, you know, and, and we were really happy about that. I felt like a lot of pressure was off of me. Like I've been man of the house now. He can be the man of the house. But I started to get into being a rapper. I had always done poetry as a kid. So I always had this talent to rhyme just to make sense of things, to put things in perspective. So I started rapping, but I wasn't rapping about 
positive things. I was like the rappers that you hear on the radio talking about sex and drugs and violence and clubbing and drinking. And I knew nothing about that hood life and violence. But, you know, like most rappers that most people are fans of, they portray that lifestyle. And that's what I was doing. I was portraying this gangster rapper, actually making demos to get a record deal. After that came my like the sex life. Deep down, I wasn't a playboy, but I tried to fit in. I tried. I'd meet the ladies and I'd brag about it with my boys. It never felt right at all. Like I knew that wasn't who I was. I was trying to fit in because all my boys, they were talking about their sexual experiences and the girls they were having sex with. And I remember going to the prom at uh, 17 years old. And uh, my prom date, she took her panties off in the car when I was dropping her off to her house. And this is how I knew deep down inside, God did not call me to you know, be that way. He called me to be who I am today because I had every opportunity to have sex with that girl, but I told her to put her panties back on. So that gentleman and God fearing man, he was there. He was there deep down inside. No matter how much I was faking it, he was there. And, and you know, and I walked her back into her house like a gentleman. So after all that, the sex, the, the rapping, then came the nightclubs. I would go to the club every weekend. I like lived in the clubs. I'm not even lying. And, uh, you know, I would drink. I would, you know, it was basically sex on the dance floor for everybody that knows how it is in the club. And I was addicted to that lifestyle. It was like, oh, it it was addicting. I couldn't get enough. Every weekend, clubs, Saturdays, Sundays, even nights before school. So after that, barely graduated high school because my mind was just on the wrong things. I had all the potential in the world to be just a 4.0 student, but my, you know, I failed all my classes trying to be the class clown and it was just really nothing, you know, there for me as far as college. It just wasn't realistic. So I went into the army, got, you know, I was still kind of the immature dude that I was, but you know, I didn't have sex one time in the army. It was like a restart kind of, and as many opportunities as I, as I could, you know, the devil was throwing temptation in my way. Married women, their husbands would fly off to Iraq and, you know, and married women would be knocking on my doors trying to have sex with me, but I turned down the temptation to a degree. You know, I didn't have sex with, with those women, but, uh, you know, the devil was definitely trying me early. But again, God kept me. He kept me. So long story short, I got out of the army. I hurt my back and it was a medical discharge. So I got out of the army back into the regular life. One night I went to the club and uh, my cousin Hank came up from Virginia and I was with my friend Ron walking back to our car. We're in this alleyway. I see this car behind my car and these two dudes leaned on their cars and I get in my car. I start starting up the ignition and I look in the rearview mirror, wonder why my cousin Hank and Ron hadn't gotten back in my car. I see two guns. They got guns to their heads. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've never been in this situation. I don't know what's going to happen. I get out of my car. They snatch my uh, my chain off my neck. They put the gun in my head. They tell us to get down on the ground. They start pistol whipping my friend Ron like they beat him bad. They hit him about 30 to 40 times. It sounded like a brick smack in the street. I'll never forget it. And then my cousin Hank was laying in the middle. And then I'm to the left of Hank. and We're laying on the ground and he's he's walking across our backs like we're doormats, just like we're nothing. Just stepping on our backs as he's petting our pockets down, stealing, taking our phones. He took our wallets. He took our shoes. So he uh, he hits my cousin Hank in the back of the head with the gun. And Hank's like crying, you know, he's like kind of knocked out a little bit. Ron's totally knocked out. He's unconscious. And I'm laying there and I prayed and I'm like, if I can recall right, I was like, Lord, if it's if it's my time, please accept my soul. Please forgive me of my sins, but please spare me this moment. And then when he got to me, he put the gun on my head and he 
pulled the trigger back. He told me to start snoring. And uh, I started snoring. You know, I'm not dumb enough to to die because I want to have this pride of not snoring. So I started snoring. And he's like, it's like, you ready to die? And I'm just, I didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, the older guy was like, yo, leave him alone. And the younger guy looked at him like, what? Like, what do you mean? I just pistol with them two. Like, what's so special about him? The guy said, yo, take the gun off his head and leave him alone. And the younger guy was like, all right. And he went back to Ron. And I'm like, wow, I just prayed. I'm the one that prayed out of us three. And I didn't get hit with the gun. As you can imagine, it was pretty horrifying. Um, a night I'll never forget. Now, I seen another car coming, and I was just praying it was the police officers. And uh, it wasn't. It was the guys uh, that were robbing us. It was their friends. So they were meeting up to see what kind of things that they got during the robbery. Soon as they, soon as they started walking over that car, we got up, we ran. I'm picking up Ron, and we're running. Ron's losing blood. Hank splits up from me and Ron. My cousin split up from us. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we're in this together, and you're splitting up from me. So now I'm not only worried about saving Ron's life, I'm worried about my cousin Hank and his safety because I know that these guys had just gotten back in their cars, and they're looking for us. It was a lot. I finally seen, I seen somebody going into his house, some random guy, and I ran right through him through his, through his door. And he's just like, no, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And he's like, my daughter's sleeping. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to hurt you, man. I said, I just need to use your phone. I'm desperate. And so I called the ambulance and I'm, I see Ron's eyes going in the back of his head and I'm smacking him in his face, trying to keep him conscious. I rode in the ambulance with him. We got to the hospital. All that's running through my mind is where's my cousin Hank? Is Hank alive? Is, is he OK? I'm looking down at my jeans and I see Ron's blood and cartilage from his head, cartilage all over my jeans. Right when I'm filling out Ron's paperwork for the hospital and I look through the window in the ER and I see them stapling Ron's head shut. I just like, man, this is crazy. Hank walks through the doors and we just embrace each other, hugging, crying. I was crying in his arms. Just so grateful to be alive. You know, we got up out of that situation that scarred me for a while. I was just, it made me probably extra paranoid. But you would have thought that I would have kind of got a hint, you know? Dad, stop going to the clubs. There's nothing here for you. There's nothing of Christ that is here. Nothing but the enemy. Everything else here will distract you from Christ. So I didn't get it. I was hard-headed. So I kept going to the clubs. I kept going to the bar. I remember going to this bar in Northeast Philly. You know, Philly has its parts where it's really, really bad. And I was hanging out in these areas. My mom would be like, Dad, you be careful. Like, she didn't feel comfortable. Uh, with me hanging out and going to these places. and But I'm in the bar again, and then I'm sitting by this jukebox machine, and then this guy just walks in and just shoots up the bar. And I'm running, and I'm trampling over people trying to get out of there. I didn't get hit. I mean, I ducked, and I was dodging. and Oh, all by the grace of God. Uh, got up out of there. I hope everybody else was safe as well. But, uh, you know, look, I still didn't get it. I still wanted to party. I still wanted to go to these places. So I remember going to this other bar. I mean, this is in more of a suburban area, but people from the hood that would come up there and, you know, kind of keep it hood in there. It, I don't know. This one night I'm sitting there. I had a drink in my hand. My boy Rocky was next to me. And I see this guy walk past me with a gun. This is in the bar. And I see a gun in his hand. He's obviously going in there to look for somebody to shoot in the back of that bar, but they weren't there. So I'm like, yo, Rocky, yo, he got a gun. Like, let's go. We got to get out of here. Rocky was drunk. He didn't pay me any mind. So I was like, okay, you don't want to hear me. I'm out. I left the bar. The guy that walked in there with a gun, he was right behind me. And I guess whoever he was looking for 
was across the street. So he starts shooting at the guy across the street and the guy starts shooting at him. I'm in the middle of a shootout and I'm walking and um, I see this girl screaming. She's like, ah! and um, I grabbed her and I said, act like we're on a date, grab my arm and let's walk. And she's like, they're shooting. What are you talking about? I'm like, listen, just listen to me. I said, walk calm and walk like we're on a date and act like you don't see anything. And we just walked and it had to be the Holy Spirit because why else would I be so calm in such a situation like that? And you know, she looks behind us and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, you heard the cop sirens coming. So they stopped shooting when the cops got there. And she's like looking behind us and she's like, oh my gosh, the guy that was shooting, he's right behind us. I said, just walk calmly, look straight ahead and act like you did not see anything. She listened to me. The guy walked right past us and, you know, we got home safely. I got home safely and I told that girl to, uh, you know, text me when she got home safely. So got up out of that situation. After that, I got in a couple car accidents. One, uh, I, I stopped just short of a, of a telephone pole that an officer told me somebody died the week before hitting. Man, God spared me from all these moments. I was in a moment of my life where I was getting fired, job after job. Nothing was going right, Martina. So I hit rock bottom, finally enough to be woke up. After all that, it took me hitting rock bottom to finally wake up. I could feel the Lord t- tugging on my heart to invite him in. It was 2010 family reunion. We never had baptisms at my family um, reunion, not at the reunion, but there was a pastor there and he was there to baptize the eldest member of my family, Uncle Donald at that time. And Uncle Donald's in his like 80s and he was going to get baptized. You know, the family was like, is there anybody else that wants to get baptized? So I was like, wow, like I've never been baptized. Always wanted to get baptized. Uh, I know what the word says and this will be a beginning, a new beginning to my life. So I said to my brother, I said, yo, bro, you want to you want to get baptized? Serge, let's get baptized. Like if I want to get baptized, I always wanted to be with my brother. He was like, OK, you know, and so we got baptized. It just symbolized the new beginning. Then I realized that it's being baptized in the Holy Spirit that changed us. But, man, that was just a new beginning. I cried out to Jesus. Everything didn't just turn around for me in one night. It took a while, but it happened, man. God was moving. He, he orchestrated the whole thing. He kept me, he spared me through all those moments that I talked about. So let's go through all the things that started changing. I kept rapping. It wasn't the foolish stuff that I was talking about before, but I eventually stopped rapping. I started listening to Lecrae. Um, Lecrae's music was very instrumental in my walk as a new, not as I always believed in Jesus, but I was a babe in Christ because I actually, I wasn't following Jesus, although I, I knew him. I was following the world. But when I started listening to Lecrae, like I could relate to the things that Lecrae was saying, um, especially in his earlier albums, was very instrumental in my life. So I was like, wow, like I feel like I got a buddy in this walk that understands like, you know, how I feel now. And the first thing that changed was forgiveness towards my dad when I was younger. You know, I had all this resentment towards him and I told him on the phone, I forgive you, dad. I love you. He broke down crying. and I just told him, you know, I have a, a new mindset. I'm walking with Jesus. I love you, man. I, you know, I don't care nothing about the past. It's about right now. And I had to realize that alcoholism is a disease. So I could no longer hold that against him. I also had to realize that Jesus said, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. It's just so much that helped me to forgive my dad, you know, and also realizing that we all make mistakes. And My dad made mistakes and so do I. So who am I to put him in jail for that? I forgave him. The next thing that stopped was the clubs. All of a sudden, I'm in the club one night. I think it was like a New Year's Eve and the whole club just kind of once started going in slow motion. I was like, 
I'm just sitting there with a drink in my hand and I'm looking around. And I remember the song that came on. It was Lil Wayne, a milli, a milli, a milli. And then everybody was dancing and it looked like everybody was doing the same dance. And I just remember seeing that dread dreadlocks and long hair just doing the same motion. It looked like a bunch of demons doing the same dance. And I was just like, wow, like that's scary. It was enough to stop me from going to the clubs. It stopped being fun to me. So I stopped going to the clubs completely. The next thing was was sex, uh, random sex. I was having random sex with some girl. I didn't even know. I met her on some like chat room or something or some website. And she came over in the middle of having sex with her. I told her, I said, look, you got to go home. And she was just like, what? Is it something I did? I said, no, it's nothing you did. You got to go, though. You know, I said, look, let me know when you're home safely. Have a good night. And when she left, I cried my eyes out. And I know it was nothing but the Holy Spirit convicting me. Saying, you know, there's this ain't right. This is not what I have for you. Um, you're not supposed to to do this with women. You know, you're supposed to protect women. You're not supposed to use them. You're not supposed to just have sex with them. I made marriage for that, for you to enjoy that. So that changed. You know, I stopped having sex. And that was back in 2012. So it's been eight years. I got into the word. I had an actual prayer life for the first time in my life, like an actual active prayer life, uh, praying to your knees are sore and you get up and you can't even walk, praying to you. You can't even open your eyes like you've been asleep for eight hours. I had an actual prayer life. The next thing that came was wisdom. I was able to start writing in ways that I never I've always been a writer, but I'm writing about Jesus now. I'm I'm writing in a way that's helping people, people telling me these posts are helping them from committing suicide. These posts are helping them, leading them to Jesus. These posts are helping these women to look at themselves in a, in a, in a Christ-like way where they're waiting until marriage now. I didn't go to any theology school. I didn't sit under any pastors. This wisdom was given to me by God, by the Holy Spirit. It was literally put inside of me. Where else would I learn all that I talk about now? God gave me wisdom. He sent me the Holy Spirit to show me how to use the wisdom. Use, the wisdom is that godly, it's that great that the Holy Spirit had to show me how to use it. For the words in my post, I could not think of on my own. Here I am today, uh, and I do that every day. I try to tell people about Jesus. I try to minister to my family um, about Jesus, and I've made Jesus my life. So I, I went from the world to Christ, and I'm still a work in progress as we all are, but that's pretty much my testimony. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my God, man. That was awesome. We need to hear, you know, stories on all walks of life. I mean, everyone's road to salvation isn't the same. And so I want, you know, all types of listeners to be able to hear this and get something out of it. And thank you, man. I needed that. So I guess we'll touch on this. So I I love how you shared how like once you give your life to God, I mean, everything doesn't just turn around, you know, like you said, just in one day. Right. The more that you seek him, the more your life will go according to his plan. Half of the things that I that I was doing, it wasn't it was, of course, it was my own efforts. It was my own work, but I was being guided by the Holy Spirit. So he's helping you along the whole way. You're not doing it on your own. It's not your own power that you can brag. And it says it in his word. We, we're supposed to boast in our weakness. And hey, if you think about it, our weakness is a testimony. That's what we're boasting about. It's, it's our testimony. This is the things that we were in our weaknesses. We were in our weak moments and bad moments. And we went through all this. And so I can't boast on anything that I've um, overcome because I, I wasn't, I'm just a man. And I was going through, you know, some demonic stuff like the devil was literally standing in my way. So God, of course, can see in that spiritual realm. He's the master of the spiritual realm. So we have no choice but to trust him because we can't see in that realm. Like that's a realm that he rules. And so 
We have to constantly seek him, just basically pave our path, pave the way. He said, I'll make straight your paths. And we have to trust him and continue to seek him. A lot of people try to do it on their own. Um, they'll try to you know, think it's all works. And then they end up becoming like legalistic. They become like Pharisees where they're trying to do all the rules and basically make a checklist. But I never had to do that. I just seek you seek the Lord and you let him do what he does. You know, he's going to do his part. We just got to do our part by seeking him. He's going to do the rest and he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to guide you and to know what he wants you to do. And constantly asking him, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Like an actual relationship. So that's what I would say is continuing to grow closer to Jesus and moving as close as you possibly can to him, seeking him, asking him questions like you would any relationship in your life. But if he is Lord of your life, that has to be the most important relationship. So seek him even more than you would a relationship and anyone else in your life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Um, so it seems like you were several times like in super tempting situations. How did you resist temptation then? And how do you resist temptations as they come now? Like I said, I think it was that foundation when I was younger and, and my mom instilling that in me. Like It was like, I knew that wasn't me. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And so there were times where I'm trying to, you know, you got sin on a platter for me. You got lust here and sex on a platter. And as much as I, you know, I wanted to dibble in it, that wasn't really me. And then as I got older, when I was like walking with Jesus, I would pray. I would pray before I would go on a date, praying for God to guide me, to help me, to make me strong if temptation presented itself. Giving advice to anybody else that, that might deal with temptation, always pray before you do anything. You know, pray before you go on a date, pray before you even consider dating someone, pray before you, you know, they say you want to go get a bite to eat, pray before you go there, pray before anything, because the devil will uh, meet you to where you're going, but you know, you, you'd rather have God, you know, you want God to meet you and, and get you there first. <laughs> so the, the devil will, uh, if the devil gets there before, you know, you've asked, you know, you, you talked to God, I mean, you're going to be tempted and you're going to fall. We're, we're human. But, um, you know, I definitely, t definitely look, took prayer because I wouldn't have been able to resist without it. So. Yeah. He loves to sneak up on us. Like when we're weak, that's when he's like, Oh, you haven't, pr you haven't prayed in a week. Okay. Watch this. <laughs> that's good, man. Yeah. There's so many things that we don't think to pray before. Like we're like, Oh yeah, this is just regular. I don't need to pray for this. because This is something regular, but it's like, for real, we need to pray, pray about everything. Like that's real. Everything, <laughs> everything. I mean, even before we even step outside, you know, you got this coronavirus going around and man, you got to keep yourself covered spiritually. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're keeping ourselves covered, sanitizing physically, but we got to do that spiritually even more so because that's the forefront, like spirituals before the exactly. physical. Yep. Well, um, this is this is some good, a good testimony that you have. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you uh, providing, you know, the, allowing the Lord to give you this platform to have me speak on it, as well as so many other people that you have share their testimonies, because these testimonies can save lives. And, you know, Jesus said, you know, make sure or we're told to have proof for our faith and our testimony is just that. So God bless you for having this this platform for people to share their proof of Christ in their lives, because it's. It can change many lives, and I'm sure it will. So God bless you, Martina. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this on social media and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
And as always, we'll be back next Wednesday. So here's a sneak peek for you. I responded every time. If God don't give me a husband and he gave me the strong desire to give me a husband, I'm out because this Christian situation can't be what it's, you know, chalked up to be.